public speaking is a soft skill. I respectfully disagree and I call it a critical life skill because anyone who walks into a room and is able to, to demonstrate confidence like that is seen as a leader. I'm David Ote, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. What do you get when you put two recovering engineers together? You might just get a far-reaching conversation about public speaking, Toastmasters, and improvisational theater. That's what's in store for you in this episode as I talk with public speaking expert Elaine Long. When you hear how far she has come in gaining confidence as a speaker, you will know you can do it too. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Odie, and as you may be aware, on this program we have a mix of content and conversations on how you can be more of a thought leader with your technical work by telling the story of your work. Today, I am very pleased to be having a conversation with a fellow recovering engineer and speaking skills expert, Elaine Long. Elaine, you want to say a quick hello? Hi, David. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here talking with you about tech and storytelling and speaking. Well, I'm very glad to have you. I mean, Elaine and I have known each other virtually for, gosh, uh, several years now. We, we, we travel in some of the same virtual circles and are part of this, a couple of the same virtual communities. Um, maybe one of these days we'll meet face to face, but for now, here is Zoom helping us have a conversation. So. I'd like to start the conversation, Elaine, by having you tell us just a little bit about your backstory and what brought you to this point. The point where I'm at now helping people learn how to find their voice and use it appropriately, right? Sure. And and, and talking to us about it on the show. And talking about it on, oh yeah, even more. <laughs> just talking about it. Exactly. Well, my background is... Uh, maybe not unusual for engineers, introverted, good at school, getting the grades, and able to do... I was the kind of person who could do math and science well, but wasn't really... That wasn't my strong suit. I, English was my strong suit, or still. I've, I believe it still is. Anyhow, getting the good grades, I went to a very strong local regional college, and with the encouragement of my family, who, you know get a good degree, get a good job, I ended up with an engineering degree and I picked computers because uh, mechanical, civil, right, uh, the process, all the systems engineering. No, it was, I wanted to do, I wanted to work with computers. So I ended up with a computer engineering degree. And let's just say, you know, I wasn't the best student, but I could do the work. Long story short, through my senior project advisor, I uh, got some leads out in Silicon Valley. So I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I, I neglected to say that. And I came out here, interviewed, and got a job. It was uh, even during the Gulf War in 1991. People are always looking for people who can be uh, engineers and, and will work. And so obviously I was entry level. So it was the kind of person. Now, what I neglected to tell you, David, and audience, is that when I was... Um, a junior in high school, I went into a speech contest. 
And I had, uh, like I said, I was getting good grades. I had a scholarship and I'd completed the Dale Carnegie course in human relations and public speaking for high school students um, because it was in junior achievement. It's like, you know, it opened oh, a lot great. of doors. <laughs> it did. Okay. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, I was out talking to people, but I, my confidence was very, very fragile at that point. And I went into this speech contest and um, I didn't know my audience. I didn't understand how these things work. And it crushed me. The results when I failed in the speech contest really crushed me. I was trying to make the audience laugh and smile, and they just stared at me. Oh. That's what they're coached to do. They're coached oh, no. okay. passive to every single competitor to be impartial. And I thought, well, this is, I obviously am not as good as I think I am. So I started telling myself this story that eroded my self-confidence. And when you're an engineer, you don't have to talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> At least that was the story you were telling yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was an incorrect story. So it took me a long time to get over that story and find what I found is a club that um, helps people build their self-confidence. And that's what I joined. And I started saying yes to everything they told me to do uh, the, with their program. And lo and behold, it built my confidence. And I just loved it so much, I kept taking steps after that. And my career really changed as a result of that. And that club was? Toastmasters. Toastmasters, of course, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we have that Toastmasters background in common as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and and a common thread running through both our stories because when I was transitioning out of a career in broadcast engineering, I had people in my Toastmasters club encouraging me to pursue speaking, and and that's the direction that I went. Uh, and I I couldn't have done it without both the encouragement that I got from my fellow Toastmasters and the skills that I had an opportunity to develop through the program. Yeah, so true. I, you know, that you were, I was reflecting on this before our conversation today. What, what were the skills, right? That, that I was lacking that I needed that Toastmasters gave me. And it's just what you said, they, they have a program. So it's the, the education, if you will, they're pro mm -hmm. walking through their program and it's, you know, I have an engineering degree. I don't know if you have a technical degree as well, but... Well, oddly enough, my undergraduate degree was a double major in physics and radio TV film. I didn't see myself wow. going into engineering at that point, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> that's so highly technical degree, right? You're yeah. very difficult. Speaking is not rocket science. However, there are skills to learn and then toasters, um, Toastmasters gave me a mentor who was who cared, and I could walk in and say, "I've got a speech tomorrow. I have, my mind is blank," and he would walk me through. And after a half an hour with my mentor, I always was fired up to go out and get them, you know. So it gave me that that support, and then it gave you an audience, an audience to use that was supportive and 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 supported you and clapped even when you failed, and you know just encouraged you to get up and try again and. That built my self-confidence and, you know, the shredded self-confidence put it together and helped me learn to tell myself a different story about what happened. Oh, I love that. To tell yourself a different story. Sure. Mm -hmm. That the story now becomes that when you were a junior in high school and you went to that speech contest, you weren't getting the feedback that you learned to get from an audience in Toastmasters. And you did have skills you didn't recognize. You just needed a chance to try it in front of a different audience and gain your confidence. Right. And yes. And 
what did I try to learn from that experience? That's the other thing I look back. Did I try to say, look, it's a moment, it's a day. I mean, I, I could have looked at all the other scores that I got at that event. It was like a multi-event. Speaking was one component of it. I got high scores and everything else. Look, this is this is where I just am not as good at, my skills aren't as good as other places. You know, it doesn't mean I'm completely <laughs> incapable and unconfident, right? It, it, what story are we telling ourselves to take what we do have and, and then say, well, this is where I need to work on it. And I can, I obviously can. Uh, yeah. good skills i can build this up too so i didn't learn from that experience but i told myself that incorrect story because it was easier not to have to stand up that's scary right public speaking is frightening it it can be yeah until you find a safe audience to get in front of right right yeah right that's well, i think why... also part of it was being a woman a young woman in a, a male-dominated company with an engineering department i you know i believe there was some of that too this was the 90s so well, tell, tell us more about that, because I'm going to have some audience members who are going to relate to what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Well, it, I, I don't, I haven't been in a similar company lately, but I see more and more women being encouraged to go into engineering with STEM, and it's a different world now. Um, I remember talking to a mentor in college who was supposed to mentor me, and he basically was like, look, we talked over this already. You know, don't waste my time. It was a different, it was just like you got, you worked really hard to get into the college and then they would like, it felt like they were trying to kick you out. Don't, <laughs> don't was, waste my time is what is what you were told? Don't waste my time with what, with you trying to be an engineer? With me trying to ask him some questions about, you know, some, or some guidance. He was my mentor. He was my staff, you know. He was your mentor and, and yet he thought you were wasting his time. Right, right. Oh. Very intimidating, very... Um, look, you know, show up and know the facts and know your stuff and prove it. And we're going to put you under a microphone. It was, it's an intimidating place. And um, I, I didn't have the confidence in my skills, like uh, in, in, in physics and engineering and chemistry, you know, all of that, like I did in English. And so that didn't help either. Okay. So it's all in the mix. But um, perhaps um, what came out of that was just, uh, recognizing that uh, this is common problems everyone face. A lot of people face this, rather. Yeah, a lot of people do face that. So you had, it sounds like, two different experiences with mentors, one in Toastmasters and one in in your professional arena. And one mm -hmm. was very encouraging and one not so much. Yeah, that's interesting. That perhaps influenced my uh, eagerness to find a mentor later on. Really? Okay. A negative, a negative experience, yeah. So did you find another mentor who was more encouraging? Well, in the Toastmasters, that was the, like the, the Toastmasters best. Or around speaking, around a place I felt weak and, and getting help for that. So mm. career-wise, not so much. And I didn't find a abundance of mentors available to me either. Interesting, interesting. Because one of the questions I often ask people who have been on a journey similar to yours, going from... Um, being very technical in what they did to either managing people who are now doing the technical work or uh, maybe moving. Uh, I haven't had as many guests like you who have moved from technical work into speaking per se, but there's always that sense of you know moving moving forward and building something on top of those technical skills. And I often ask people, was there someone in particular who helped you do that? 
sounds like your answer might be your your Toastmasters mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, to also, uh, <laughs> well, he he was the objective reality that would come in, you know, okay. to me when I'm, oh, here I am, and this is the story. And he would say, well, for example, we I went in and I said, well, I, I'm in a contest tomorrow. What do I, you know, what should I talk about? And he goes, well, have you read the rules? I'm like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> So he was he was a contrarian. He would challenge me, and yet we were friends and and had a great time together. So I think those are key elements of a mentor, and and I was really fortunate to to have Toby as my mentor. You do sound fortunate to to have had the mentor who would who would hold you uh, accountable for whether you'd read the rules. Now, come on, you're an engineer. I would have expected you to have started by reading the rules. <laughs> it was it was a scary thing for me, very frightening thing for me to be. <laughs> speak up and that confidence built over time david it took practice and years of work and yeah. just a little bit every week at the meeting right a little bit more a little bit more yeah i can relate to that i i remember and, and my wife will remind me sometimes she'll say you know how you used to stay up until the wee hours working on a speech that you were going to give the next morning in toastmasters and she said now you you just go right to bed. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten much more relaxed about it. Oh yeah, amen to that. Yeah, I found the same thing because staying up all night doesn't serve your audience because you, I well I found it. I show up more tired. It ruins the whole next day, um, I, and my body just can't take that at my age anymore. Um, <laughs> And, and so I want to be kinder to myself and be more in tune with what the audience wants. And I oh, think I love that. Be more in tune with what the audience wants. Mm-hmm. As speakers, that's what we're there for, right? The audience. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit more. What what tools help you focus on what your audience wants or oh, needs? Great. Yeah. Well, this brings me to improv because, like I said, it was a slow journey, building up my confidence to speak, doing all the different projects in Toastmasters, and then. I learned, um, I could see that I was weaker in the impromptu speaking, the where they table topics, where they call you up and you have a few seconds to formulate an answer and then you need to speak on it for two, a minute to two minutes, a minute to minute and a half in our club it was. And that was terrifying. And But the first time you try it, it changes your life because it changed mine. So I said, well, I being impromptu and being in the moment, is is uh, difficult for me. So I took adult improv classes at in my town. There's a a show called Comedy Sports. It's a the oh, it's a uh-huh. I've heard of that. Yeah, across the country, and they do adult classes. They did three levels, and I did them all. They were exhausting to me because I'm an introvert, and I you know work all day and go to these classes and three hours of talking and interacting and thinking up new things and acting them out on stage. It was exhausting, but. The great thing about it is I started to realize that um, it's not about me. And about being in the moment is about knowing what your audience wants and then thinking about how I can best show up and give them that. So maybe it's uh, definitely rather talking to the organizer and finding out who's in the audience. What, what kind, what's the demographics? What are they challenging with? And then having them bring you in for a particular reason and then being in agreement in that so that the audience knows in advance what you're there to speak about and then to 
uh, adjust your message so it's not just something you're reading a script from basically to the audience, but you're customizing it to who they are, um, what they need. You may be talking to a few people in advance so you can bring them up and use their stories as examples in the presentation. So, and, um, and audience exercises. So all of that um, improv work helped me to be way more confident with showing up, making eye contact, involving the audience, bringing them up. They love that. Mm, mm -hmm. And then uh, there is an element of storytelling as well in improv, which is the story spine. I'm sure you have heard of the Pixar story spine, whatever. The Pixar story spine. I have have read that. It's been a while. I'll let you remind me about that in a moment. But first, uh, just so we're clear, uh, we say improv. We kick that word around. Of course, that's short for improvisational theater theater or improvisational comedy. Right. Right. A lot of people might be most familiar with that from, say, the TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, Correct. we have some performers who are very practiced at spontaneously or it appears spontaneous uh, coming up with very funny responses, songs, sketches, lines, what have you, in, uh, in a, a situation where prompts are just thrown at them. Right. That's correct. That's correct. And I want to note too that's highly edited. So they only put the good ones on. They only put the good ones in. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> because improv is about failing and being okay with it. Do they go, it's a moment, I'm gonna move past it. Let's try something else, you know? So it teaches you to make a decision in the moment, go with it. If it works, yay, you know, and then it ends. And if it doesn't work, good, let's move on. But we move we move past it. So, you know, had I been known more improv as a junior in high school, I would have said, okay, it's a moment. What's next? Let's move and past it. What's next? great for that. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the, the Pixar thing that you mentioned. Right. Now, this is a fabulous way to tell a story in a minute, two minutes, okay? If you have the spine, you have a story. So it starts, it's seven steps, and it starts with once upon a time. And that's where you set up the character, the environment, the year, just basically talk about the main character of the story, because we're following the hero's journey, which is a character at the beginning, uh, at a point in time where they have a challenge and they need to go through that challenge, and it changes their life. So the story spine just walks you through that in a very simple, easy to remember way. So it's once upon a time, and you describe that character. And then you describe, this is a key point that a lot of people miss, every day. What was their everyday life like? What did they do every day? What are their dreams, their hopes, their wishes? Maybe they weren't achieving it, but that's where they were. Usually they're stuck in some way. And then you get to that moment of decision until one day. So Until something one happens. day, right. Uh-huh. Something comes into their life, invites them to take a new path, to make a decision to change their life, and the character always decides to take that. Otherwise, there's no story. Right. right? Otherwise, there's no story. I'm not going to follow that. Okay, well, the end. You know, there's no change. Because in, in then, improv, you always have to say yes. <laughs> that's right. 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 You say yes to what is offered you, and then you and. You add your decisions, ideas comments idea you you take it you make that decision you take it in that direction so so the character yes hands that moment exactly and then they go through conflict and it's conflict that escalates slowly so let's say three points of conflict they try something it doesn't work they try something it doesn't work they try something it doesn't work or or it 
works, but it's still, they have another problem that comes in. You know, in a movie, you'll see this. Um, the characters go through trial after trial, and then you think, how are they going to get out of this problem? It's, it, they are stuck. But that's the climactic point where something happens, and they either succeed in their quest or they fail. And you can go either way with it, but usually they succeed, and then as a result of that, they are changed. So we had three climactic points. We at the conflict points. We have the climax point. They and they have changed forever. So and ever since that day, their life is different. And then they just you discuss how you're changed, how things have changed. You know, what I think a lot of people don't immediately see from that. A lot of people who come from a very technical background, scientists, engineers, uh, anyone who who. who presents a lot of quantitative information, like a, a friend of mine who's an analyst for a, a food company, and he presents a lot of data-based presentations. And uh, what I think a lot of people don't immediately grasp is that that story model you're talking about is so appropriate even for a technical presentation. Yeah, Here we I were. This is what we knew at this point, and we were going along about our business and then something happened and we realized ah if we had this data if we had this solution to our problem if we had this experimental result then we could go in a different direction and so we tried and tried and the thing you never hear about in a scientific or technical presentation is the things they tried that didn't work <laughs> but that's where the story is Correct. That's where the, because that was what drove them to ultimately succeed at gaining the new understanding that they gained, and now, as a result of that, the world is different. Yeah, exactly, because they didn't give up, right? They struggled, they were in there fighting, and that's what we want to see as the audience. We're like, oh, will they make it? And they tried this, and it failed, but they got this part out of it, so they said, let's follow this trail. What will happen if we do this, right? You want to see the struggle, you want to see the fight. That's why we tune into sports games. We want to see them back. We just don't want to see the winner. We want to see how they did it. Oh, that's, that's right. You don't want to just see the final score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to see the struggle. Well, you do want to see the final score, but if you love the team and you love you know, the players, you're like, I want to see how they did that great play, right? Or, yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's where right. you want to cheer and jump up and down. That's We love that, that experience. So it's key to storytelling, and it absolutely fits in something like a, a business presentation. And it, of course. And very well. And very memorable. This makes it memorable. It makes too. it memorable. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the story. And when you remember the story, you'll remember the point that it made. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And the product or the person. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you, you coach people in doing this. You're a presentation skills expert, and you don't just go around giving speeches or doing improv. Um, you do what exactly to help other people with their skills? Well, one on one coaching, and I also teach classes. And with uh, I te I'm teaching a class of kids right now, and it's um, confidence building. It's especially, I, I really relate to where a person is when their confidence is shredded or they, they're really tentative. So when I, I get a student like that, uh, adult or child, we really make it a safe place for them to build these skills, which which are simple, but with repetition and encouragement and instruction, anyone can learn to do. So I'm teaching 10-year-olds, and they're 
doing awesome. We had a class last week and they got up with the stand-up mic and they adjusted it and they turned it on and they gave their, they were doing Aesop's fables. They gave their, they told their story. They introduced themselves clearly so people can understand their names. And it's that the confidence you show when you come on stage and you don't immediately start talking, but you stop and you adjust that tool, use the tools in front of you, the mic to show that you're confident and you know how to use the tools and you get them set right. And then you say your name clearly without swallowing the last syllable, like so many people do. And then you tell them a story. They, everyone, all the students had the audience in rapt attention. So it's, that's what it's about, about building that confidence class by class. And what they take away from that with that newfound confidence mm-hmm. is, is what? What, what, does, what does that do for them outside of class? Right. Well, it makes their parents happy. Okay. Let's okay. <laughs> when, you're ten, when you're 10 years old, um, they are wanting to get into speech and debate. And why? Because that also is a way to build the analytical thinking and the confidence to stand up. And this is a way to get, obviously, into college or, you know, open up doors there where they could participate that way. Now, overall, though, the story underneath everything, adult or child, is about when you build that self-confidence, that you'll be able to walk into a situation. and, And this is also where improv helps so much. Look around and see what's, observe what's happening. Listen, look feel what's going on, and then addressing it in the moment. It shows that you're thinking, that you're showing up, and you're aware. You're a leader. So it's it's a really, it's, I know, so, you know, public speaking is a soft skill. I respectfully disagree, and I call it a critical life skill, because anyone who walks into a room and is able to to, to demonstrate confidence like that is seen as a leader. And that's, that's what I would want for my child. That's what I would want for myself. So definitely a great skill to have. Seen as a leader. I'm so glad you said that, that, um, uh, that speaking confidently is not a soft skill. It's a critical life skill. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned to me previously in a conversation that um, when you were getting your engineering degree, uh, you weren't taught to speak publicly. Yeah, they did. Great <laughs> regional college I went to in Northeastern Ohio, Case Western Reserve. Great engineering school. But um, we were on our own for the presentation skills. And we had, I would say, pretty minimal presentations, to be honest. Mm. And um, presenting to your class is one thing. Walking into a boardroom with your peers and the VPs and the CEO in it is another and that's why, without that confidence, I was the one plastered against the back wall, looking down, saying, don't call on me, don't call on me. So that's, I mean, that's where I was when I came out for my first job here in Silicon Valley. So that's what I had to so, overcome. So I feel like there's a story here. Tell me about the first time you had to give a presentation in front of a VP or someone from the C-suite and, and what that was like for you. Take us to that moment. I avoided it. I completely avoided it. Um, I would generally turn completely red. This is just talking to my manager. He was not a VP, you know, completely blush, uh, 
worry that it was going to say something wrong, just answer the question, not offer an idea or something to make things better. I was just completely physically uncomfortable and mentally just unable to to come up with uh, a coherent deer in the headlights. How about that? The, absolutely. That's what it was like. And one time I even refused, this was to my direct manager, to give to give a presentation just to my group. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not ready. I just can't handle it, you know. Um, so you can, it, it, was it a surprise I got laid off? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> One of the first people to get laid off when the the economy went down there? No. So, um, so I went and found another job, and that company had a Toastmasters club, and it was a better company, too. So, you know, things happen for a reason, and uh, that was my journey. So, so tell me about after you've been to Toastmasters and you had to give a work presentation, mm-hmm. how was it different? <laughs> they all said, oh, you're in Toastmasters. So the expectations are higher. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is they, um, you're able to deliver on them because you've gone the, I've built that confidence and I knew how to structure a presentation and do some eye contact and basic, uh, body movements and to stand confidently. So that that took care of itself. So then I became the one putting up my hands going, I want, I'll lead this group. No one else here. Everybody else wants to sit in front of their computer here in IT, but I'll lead the group. I'll talk to the admins. I'll, so I started to lead things because that's also part of Toastmasters is about how speaking helps you to be a leader and you're not afraid to to stand up and share thoughts or post an idea. So, I mean, there were bumps and there was a rough road there at the beginning uh, mm-hmm. in, in Toastmasters, sure. But um, if I can learn it, anyone can learn it. <laughs> if you can learn it, anyone I can. It. Yeah. Well, um, I, I love uh, the the image of how you were always interested in English, did well in English, mm-hmm. and ended up, because of the ability to do well in science and math classes, ended up pursuing engineering. And yet you've you've come full circle. You've brought all of that back together for people. So if you were to address right now one not yet recovering engineer or a scientist or anyone who gives a technical presentation who is uh, where you were when you blushed and, and feared having to give a talk to anyone, what, what is one piece of advice you would give that person? It's completely normal. It's completely normal. And you're not weird or strange or incapable of learning the skill. It's just a weak spot. So if you can, step outside of yourself and look at yourself and say, how could I help this person? And get some help. So... I love Toastmasters, all right? That's where I would say go first. But um, find someone you trust uh, who you like, who speaks well and ask them for help. And you can get a group of friends together and help work through this. But just to recognize that it's normal and it's fixable. So don't, don't waste another minute uh, worrying about it, but start, start on the road to getting it fixed. Start. Don't waste time worrying about it, but start on the road to get it fixed. Tell yourself the right story there. How about that? That's a very uh, uh, solution-oriented approach that I would expect from a recovering engineer. (laughs) (laughs) But a recovering engineer with some terrific insights. Thank you for those insights into 
what it can take in terms of skill building and confidence building to go from where you were to where you are now. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Okay, David, you're welcome. What would you like to leave our audience with in terms of uh, a way that they could follow up with you? Well, I have my um, website here. Let me get it. This one. There we go. I have elainelong.com is my website. You can reach me at my email, which is my first name and my website name, elaine at elainelong.com. My phone number's on there. We can get in touch and chat about uh, where you are and what you'd like to do with as far as public speaking. And um, that is how they can get in touch with me. elainelong.com. All right. And that will be uh, in, the, in the show notes if, in case anyone missed it. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed our conversation so much. Thank you for being on the show with me today. David, it's been a pleasure. I just, I I love the form that you're putting out here for technical people and speaking. And it's so important. It's so important to take advantage of all the skills available for you as you share your ideas and get your thoughts um, out of your head and out of your mouth so that the world can be a better place. So thank you, David. It's been a pleasure to be here talking with you. Get thoughts out of your out of your head and out of your mouth so the world can be a better place. I love that. <laughs> and if anyone would like to follow up with me, here's a way you can do that. Let's have a conversation. Here's the URL to use, breakthroughwithdavid.com. That's conventional spellings, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, etc. Breakthroughwithdavid.com. That'll take you to my calendar. And we can have anywhere from a conversation to a free initial coaching session. So I hope that you'll consider following up with Elaine. Hopefully you'll consider following up with me. And as always, thank you for being part of the Story and Science community. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening.